I got back to Columbus from Chicago and my battery was dead. I wasn't able to start it using a jump pack or jumper cables. I had to lug it. <laughs> Those things are heavy. All the way, it was only a quarter mile over to O'Reilly's. They tested it out and said, yeah, it's DED dead. So I had to go and buy a new battery, lug that back, and then I plugged it in. Um, and now it's working. It's the first time I've ever uh, switched out a car battery. It's I'm grateful to be able to have technology like a cell phone to be able to call my roommate so he can tell me to go to O'Reilly's and to call my dad and he can tell me what I have to do to remove uh, the battery and I can just send him a picture using my phone and it goes to him and I can order it. And I was thinking, I'm like, could this process be eased by voice at all? And I'm like, uh, not entirely sure. Um, yeah, if I was using the Google Home Hub, I could have gone inside and I could have said, hey Google, show me how to uh, change a car battery and it may have been able to show me. I do like the Google Home Hub. I just got one uh, for, for Christmas the other day and plugging it in and setting it up was really easy. I, I love the device. Um, comparing it to the new Echo Show though, it is a lot smaller screen size and the sound that comes out of it is not is not as nice. Um, the Echo Show has an amazing bass and it feels so cool to listen to that music coming through it and hearing the voice. But on the Google Home Hub, if you turn up the volume to, to volume 10, it sounds kind of tinny. But the design and the actual interface and using the devices, Google's looks so much better. They, they really went a lot more in depth on the design, whereas uh, Alexa, it feels like left a lot of the base functionality without utilizing some of the screen's ability to really do dynamic stuff. They left a lot of like square elements and I don't know, it looks, it looks very blocky and not, it doesn't flow well like modern design does. So Google really embraced what they usually do with their material design in their Google Assistant and they put it on the hub. And when I was setting it up, you get to pick the kind of clock that you want. So you can either select as the background just scrolling Google Photos, and I already store all my photos in Google Photos, so I'm, I'm already bought into the ecosystem. But I can select to just scroll all of my Google Photos, or I can be a clock face, or it can have, I think, just Google stock photos scrolling across the screen. So it's, it's like the size and function of an animated photograph. That's probably the best metaphor for it. It is like an animated photograph that you would want to just set on a side table or anywhere that you might put a picture frame. And then you can have all of your photos displayed from Google Photos. Google Photos allows you to store unlimited photos for free. And they give you great capabilities to upload your photos and then search your photos. So with the voice enabled, picture mode, you can just say, hey, show me all of the photos of my grandkids, or show me all of the photos of my cats. Show me all of the photos from vacation of summer of 2017. And you can just ask, and the nice part about Google's indexing is it can pull that up for you. The flip side is, is in order for them to do that, they are analyzing all the data. So if you're comfortable with that and you embrace the, the freedom of the service, then, then it's really helpful, especially if you bought into the Google ecosystem. Um, when you're looking at the home screen, you can swipe on the screen to go through your calendar, 
um, or swipe over to view your music and other devices. It has the same, I feel like, functionality as the Echo Show in that when you swipe down from the top, it's the same as swiping down from the top on your mobile phone. So it'll pull down your settings and you can change the brightness and you can modify all the, the devices that are connected around your home. And it's a connected hub. Google Home Hub's a good, good name for it. On Black Friday, it was only $99 too. So the biggest difference between uh, Amazon Echo Show and the Google Home Hub is that price gap. The Echo Show goes for $230 last time I checked and uh, the Echo, or I'm sorry, the Google Home Hub on Black Friday was 99, but in general, I believe is 150. So you're saving about $70 there. Um, so you get speaker reduction. The speaker on the Google Home Hub is not as strong. In a lot of the ads, one of my cousins also said they thought the screen size on the Google Home Hub looks a lot bigger in the ads than it is in real life. I, I agree. When I'm watching these ads, I'm like, whoa, this is such a cool device. And it looks like when I imagined it, I imagined something on par with the size of the Echo Show. And then you get it, and it's it, it's pretty... It's pretty small, but the, the screen resolution is crisp. So you've got a small screen. Um, I haven't used it for a long time yet, so I can't really speak on how I'm gonna like it over time, but immediately I like it a lot. Uh, I think my immediate reaction is that I'm gonna probably use that more than I'm going to use Amazon, because it integrates better with the services that I already use. I already use Google Calendar, I like Google search capabilities because I can ask general queries a lot better. I already use Google Photos, so Amazon would make me use Amazon Photos, and I don't want to have to share my library with two different clouds. That seems redundant to me. Either they should, either Google Photos should provide API access to Amazon Photos, so that way I can give Amazon Photos approval to access my Google Photos. Then we could have shared access to the same repository through API calls and a trusted connection, that would be cool. But it's not, that doesn't exist right now. So, Google's already integrated with the services I use, so it makes sense for me to wanna use it. For other people, Amazon might make more sense. If you've already heavily bought into the Amazon Prime and you like using Amazon Prime Video and Hulu, um, it, well, I think you can use Hulu on the Google Home Hub as well, I'm not sure. But each of them builds into their own ecosystem. So if you're using Amazon products, if you're using the Amazon microwave and the smart outlet from Amazon, then the hub, or I'm sorry, the Echo Show and the Echo Dot and the Echo Plus and all of the other Echo products are gonna work a lot better for your house and for your um, smart home. If you bought into the Ring and the Nest system, then using your Google Home Hub, that can be the center point for those apps. You can control and modify your heat using your Google Home. You can say, hey Google, show me who's at the door, and then it'll show through your Chromecast or on your Google Home Hub if you have it, who's at your door. If, if you saw what was going around really heavily, um, it was like the top trending video on YouTube for a while. It was this video of Kevin McAllister from Home Alone, all grown up, and now he's doing it with Google. So. It was the first movie and he's like, hey, what's going on in my day? And it reads through the calendar. And then he goes upstairs and he orders shaving cream using Google. And then he goes downstairs, someone shows up to the door and he says, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. And now that's actually one of the Easter eggs. So if you say, okay, Google, 
Merry Christmas, you filthy animal, it'll play a clip from the movie. Google throws in some really cool Easter eggs. Amazon also had some cool Easter eggs, and I think those are really amazing. One of the things I was thinking about is the fact that Google always has these trends on search. Google's able to understand on the macro what it is that people are searching, and they can use that information very easily because it's, it's theirs to answer Easter eggs that they know people are gonna ask and that they know marketing works well for. I feel like Amazon has a little bit of a hurdle to try to understand which Easter eggs are gonna be really delightful to people and are really gonna make people want to continue to ask more questions and interact with the assistant more. And to try to reduce the number of times that it says, I'm sorry, I don't understand, or I don't know that yet. I'm still learning though. Every single year it learns and gets better. It's getting closer to being able to be a tool with shopping. I've been reading a lot of people being able to use Google and Amazon Alexa to be able to shop for their Christmas and holiday gifts. And I'm very excited to see how that number changes in 2019 when everybody, actually if you, I read a couple articles that said that Amazon Echo service ended up crashing because of, um, the number of people that opened up and used devices on Christmas Day. And I'm sure similar things happen with the onboarding of people that got Google Home devices because the Google Home Hub is so cheap and so was the Google Home Mini and the Google Home. They, they had so many price reductions throughout the holiday season. They're really trying to incentivize and get people onto the ecosystems because they understand that these are platforms that everybody's gonna be using. And unlike the new mobile phones, these devices aren't, well, I guess maybe they will someday, but today they don't cost the $1,000 that the iPhone XR does. The Amazon Echo Show costs $230. It can take selfies, it can call people, it can do face, well, it can't do FaceTime, but it can do Amazon's equivalent. You can control it all by voice. It's got a touch screen that's really large. Like, I feel like those are pretty cool technologies. Now I'm sure the phone has a lot of other sensors and hardware in there that because you do have to leave the Echo Show plugged in, so the battery is a big limitation and you can't fit the Echo Show in your pocket. But voice technology is really changing the future and it's really changing how people are interacting with a lot of services. Because 2018 was a great year for the growth and sale of the devices, so now more people have access to voice speakers than ever before. The number is growing larger every single year and the rate of acceleration continues to grow as well. So the curve is growing steeper with the number of people who are adopting the technology worldwide. And the technology is continuing to grow to encompass a worldwide audience. And it's a lot less expensive than other technologies have been in the past. The biggest things that these new voice technologies rely on are an internet connection and access to consistent electricity. And if you have both of those, you can access the Amazon Alexa service or the Google Home service. and or I guess the Siri service if you like. I don't know, I would love to hear if anybody has really bought into the new voice first Apple home series, whether you bought into the HomePod or if you've bought into the voice first for any sort of Siri products. Or do you think that Amazon is playing a different game in the voice space than Google and Alexa? It just doesn't feel like they're doing an equivalent thing. I, I don't hear many developers talking about, oh yeah, I'm building, I'm building these apps for um, Siri. 
I'm not hearing anybody saying, oh yeah, everybody's buying the this, the Apple HomePod. I, maybe I'm just hanging out with the wrong types of people and I'm reading the wrong articles, but but I, I don't, I haven't heard that conversation going on yet. So if what I want is if someone is experiencing that, please share that knowledge of like where I can find those people in that data so I can learn more. Cause the biggest sources of information that I get about the voice space are reading articles that are released daily from like Forbes and Business Insider and VoiceBot. VoiceBot AI has been great because VoiceBot AI has a lot of statistics over time about the voice space and they've released some really cool articles like the second age of voice. The first stage of voice was buying the devices, getting the hardware and the platforms into people's homes and into their hands. So getting the massive adoption of Google Assistant, using that on people's mobile devices, on all Android phones, and then the sale of the actual hardware of Google Home minis, Google Homes, Google Home Hubs, putting it in as many things as possible, and the same with the Amazon Echo products having the dots and building and baking the Amazon Alexa assistant into the Amazon shopping app. So now if you tap the mic in any Amazon shopping app, which I'm sure everybody has the Amazon shop, a lot of people have the Amazon shopping app installed. You can use Alexa built in and then you can buy the devices incredibly cheap for $25 when it's on sale. You can buy these Echo Dots that are instant access to be able to talk and ask any question and to be able to control your smart home and to be able to play your music and more and more tasks on a daily basis to just connect you with the internet without having to use a screen in a hands-free, faster, more empathetic way where voice is more empathetic over other technologies. How often do you read a text message and you see the text message and you wonder if someone is mad or if they're being sarcastic? What is their intention behind it? Emojis help to bridge that gap by adding some visual. With voice, you can convey volume, you can convey tone, you can convey speed. So you're able to, to bake into these machines a lot more empathy to be able to convey just a wider range of emotions that humans are able to understand. So there are a lot of benefits with voice, but there are also spaces where voice should not be used. Some of the spaces are like public spaces. There are also a lot of people that just prefer to use other devices. They just don't want to embrace the voice. They would rather use other forms of technology and those people should always be compensated for it. Like I'm, I'm really glad that we have the Google Home Hub have touchscreen capabilities and the Amazon Echo Show have touchscreen capabilities so that people can still use and touch the screens if they are not able to or they don't want to speak to these devices. In public, it's not a really good space just for, for one of the other reasons as well is privacy. Privacy in multiple ways. One, because of the sounds that are being recorded and some of the sounds that these devices are recording, people want to keep private. And putting these devices in public spaces makes a lot of conversations that would have otherwise been private much more public and it eliminates a lot of the sense of privacy. But the second side of the coin is lack of privacy in what is being said back. Because as our voice becomes our identity and we can access these voice platforms like Google Assistant using Voice Match, our voice becomes our identity. Rather than a username and a password, it is our voice. So when we ask um, Google these questions, the responses are gonna be highly personalized. And if she says, 
our medical prescriptions or some of our medical diagnoses because we accidentally say the wrong things around them and then our medical records are compromised to everybody in the room whether or not we wanted them to hear it it's it's like having a friend that's a blabbermouth and and she she's too she does exactly what she hears so she doesn't think about it like unlike the blabbermouth she doesn't think about it she just does exactly what she's told because she's a computer So having them in public spaces is probably not the best um, idea, at least for the time being. Um, so those are some of the ways. I started reading this book from O'Reilly Publishing called Voice, what is it? The Voice User Design Interface. I really love it so far because it starts off talking about the history back in the 1950s when they were just trying to have single digit recognition. So a highly trained model would be able to understand when a voice said a number, a very single number. And that was way back in the 50s. And then the next step was to try to get it more conversational and just being able to hear more general phrases and not having to have a model that was highly trained and to be able to have just anybody in public be able to speak to it. That's a problem that is still being overcome today. We were talking about this over family dinner that accents are very hard for some of these assistants to pick up and understand. We've had a lot of people with very diverse backgrounds on our team, and those people with different accents than the stereotypical white Midwestern accent is very difficult to be understood. If like Asian accents or your a lot of Asian or yeah, a lot of Asian accents are very difficult for Google to understand right now, and I wonder why that is. Um, I guess it's just what they have more data on, but I should look more into that. Why, why, are, why is the accent problem so difficult to overcome when it's something that we've been working on since the 1960s? Because we finally got it, and towards the 2000s, it started to become mainstream to be able to have a, um, a phone call bank to be able to understand you say an option with your voice, or to be able to say a PIN number with your voice. So that became mainstream in the 2000s, and now we're nearing 2020. We're, we're closing on the 2010s. It's now becoming very popular for these devices to just be everywhere. So it's taken a long time for it to get to the point where these, this technology is now in the majority of Americans' household, and one in five searches on Google is being done via voice. People are using voice as a way to access technology quicker, to be able to access the web quicker, to be able to stay engaged in their present environment without having to have the separation of a screen. To be able to look out and see what's in the world and see what's around you and see the people that are around you and have technology that assists you and assists the life around you, but does not distract from the life that you wanna live. So we're figuring out how to interact with the technology and it's a process that we're continuing to learn. And I got a lot of books for Christmas about voice technology, so you can bet your sweet butt. I'm gonna be talking about it with my team and on the podcast. So until then, keep it voice first and uh, thanks for joining us. I got back to Columbus from Chicago and my battery was dead. I wasn't able to start it using a jump pack or jumper cables. I had to lug it. <laughs> Those things are heavy. 
all the way, it was only a quarter mile over to O'Reilly's. They tested it out and said, yeah, it's DED dead. So I had to go and buy a new battery, lug that back, and then I plugged it in. Um, and now it's working. It's the first time I've ever uh, switched out a car battery. It's, I, I'm grateful to be able to have technology like a cell phone to be able to call my roommate so he can tell me to go to O'Reilly's and to call my dad and he can tell me what I have to do to remove uh, the battery and I can just send him a picture using my phone and it goes to him and I can order it. And I was thinking, I'm like, could this process be eased by voice at all? And I'm like, uh, not entirely sure. Um, yeah, if I was using the Google Home Hub, I could have gone inside and I could have said, hey Google, show me how to uh, change a car battery and it may have been able to show me. I do like the Google Home Hub. I just got one uh, for, for Christmas the other day and plugging it in and setting it up was really easy. I, I love the device. Um, Comparing it to the new Echo Show though, it is a lot smaller screen size and the sound that comes out of it is not, is not as nice. Um, the Echo Show has an amazing bass and it feels so cool to listen to that music coming through it and hearing the voice. But on the Google Home Hub, if you turn up the volume to, to volume 10, it sounds kind of tinny. But the design and the actual interface and using the devices, Google's looks so much better. They, they really went a lot more in depth on the design, whereas uh, Alexa, it feels like left a lot of the base functionality without utilizing some of the screen's ability to really do dynamic stuff. They left a lot of like square elements and I don't know, it looks, it looks very blocky and not, it doesn't flow well like modern design does. So Google really embraced what they usually do with their material design in their Google Assistant and they put it on the hub and when I was setting it up you get to pick the kind of clock that you want so you can either select as the background just scrolling Google Photos and I already store all my photos in Google Photos so I'm I'm already bought into the ecosystem but I can select to just scroll all of my Google Photos or I can be a clock face or it can have, I think, just Google stock photos scrolling across the screen. So it's, it's like the size and function of an animated photograph. That's probably the best metaphor for it. It is like an animated photograph that you would wanna just set on a side table or anywhere that you might put a picture frame, and then you can have all of your photos displayed from Google Photos. Google Photos allows you to store unlimited photos for free, and they give you great capabilities to upload your photos and then search your photos. So with the voice enabled picture mode, you can just say, hey, show me all of the photos of my grandkids or show me all of the photos of my cats. Show me all of the photos from vacation of summer of 2017. And you can just ask and the nice part about Google's indexing is it can pull that up for you. The flip side is, is in order for them to do that, they are analyzing all the data. So if you're comfortable with that and you embrace the, the freedom of the service, then, then it's really helpful, especially if you've bought into the Google ecosystem. Um, when you're looking at the home screen, you can swipe on the screen to go through your calendar um, or swipe over to view your music and other devices. It has the same, I feel like, functionality as the Echo Show in that when you swipe down from the top, it's the same as swiping down from the top. 
on your mobile phone. So it'll pull down your settings and you can change the brightness and you can modify all the, the devices that are connected around your home. And it's a connected hub. Google Home Hub's a good, good name for it. On Black Friday, it was only $99 too. So the biggest difference between uh, Amazon Echo Show and the Google Home Hub is that price gap. The Echo Show goes for $230 last time I checked and uh, the Echo, or I'm sorry, the Google Home Hub on Black Friday was 99, but in general, I believe is 150. So you're saving about $70 there. Um, so you get speaker reduction. The speaker on the Google Home Hub is not as strong. In a lot of the ads, one of my cousins also said they thought the screen size on the Google Home Hub looks a lot bigger in the ads than it is in real life. I, I agree. When I'm watching these ads, I'm like, whoa, this is such a cool device. And it looks like when I imagined it, I imagined something on par with the size of the Echo Show. And then you get it and it's it, it's pretty it's pretty small, but the, the screen resolution is crisp. So you've got a small screen. Um, I haven't used it for a long time yet, so I can't really speak on how I'm gonna like it over time, but immediately I like it a lot. Uh, I think my immediate reaction is that I'm gonna probably use that more than I'm going to use Amazon, because it integrates better with the services that I already use. I already use Google Calendar, I like Google search capabilities because I can ask general queries a lot better. I already use Google Photos, so Amazon would make me use Amazon Photos, and I don't want to have to share my library with two different clouds. That seems redundant to me. Either they should, either Google Photos should provide API access to Amazon Photos, so that way I can give Amazon Photos approval to access my Google Photos. Then we could have shared access to the same repository through API calls and a trusted connection, that would be cool. But it's not, that doesn't exist right now. So, Google's already integrated with the services I use, so it makes sense for me to wanna use it. For other people, Amazon might make more sense. If you've already heavily bought into the Amazon Prime and you like using Amazon Prime Video and Hulu, um, it, well, I think you can use Hulu on the Google Home Hub as well, I'm not sure. But each of them builds into their own ecosystem. So if you're using Amazon products, if you're using the Amazon microwave and the smart outlet from Amazon, then the hub, or I'm sorry, the Echo Show and the Echo Dot and the Echo Plus and all of the other Echo products are gonna work a lot better for your house and for your um, smart home. If you bought into the Ring and the Nest system, then using your Google Home Hub, that can be the center point for those apps. You can control and modify your heat using your Google Home. You can say, hey Google, show me who's at the door, and then it'll show through your Chromecast or on your Google Home Hub if you have it, who's at your door. If, if you saw what was going around really heavily, um, it was like the top trending video on YouTube for a while. It was this video of Kevin McAllister from Home Alone, all grown up, and now he's doing it with Google. So. It was the first movie and he's like, hey, what's going on in my day? And it reads through the calendar. And then he goes upstairs and he orders shaving cream using Google. And then he goes downstairs, someone shows up to the door and he says, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. And now that's actually one of the Easter eggs. So if you say, okay, Google, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal, it'll play a clip from the movie. Google throws in some really cool Easter eggs. Amazon also had some cool Easter eggs, and I think those are really amazing. 
One of the things I was thinking about is the fact that Google always has these trends on search. Google's able to understand on the macro what it is that people are searching and they can use that information very easily because it's, it's theirs to answer Easter eggs that they know people are gonna ask and that they know marketing works well for. I feel like Amazon has a little bit of a hurdle to try to understand which Easter eggs are gonna be really delightful to people and are really gonna make people want to continue to ask more questions and interact with the assistant more. And to try to reduce the number of times that it says, I'm sorry, I don't understand, or I don't know that yet. I'm still learning though. Every single year it learns and gets better. It's getting closer to being able to be a tool with shopping. I've been reading a lot of people being able to use Google and Amazon Alexa to be able to shop for their Christmas and holiday gifts. And I'm very excited to see how that number changes in 2019 when everybody, actually if you, I read a couple articles that said that Amazon Echo service ended up crashing because of um, the number of people that opened up and used devices on Christmas Day. And I'm sure similar things happen with the onboarding of people that got Google Home devices because the Google Home Hub is so cheap and so was the Google Home Mini and the Google Home. They, they had so many price reductions throughout the holiday season. They're really trying to incentivize and get people onto the ecosystems because they understand that these are platforms that everybody's gonna be using. And unlike the new mobile phones, these devices aren't, well, I guess maybe they will someday, but today they don't cost the $1,000 that the iPhone XR does. The Amazon Echo Show costs $230. It can take selfies, it can call people, it can do, face, well, it can't do FaceTime, but it can do Amazon's equivalent. You can control it all by voice. It's got a touch screen that's really large. Like, I feel like those are pretty cool technologies. Now I'm sure the phone has a lot of other sensors and hardware in there that because you do have to leave the Echo Show plugged in, so the battery is a big limitation and you can't fit the Echo Show in your pocket. But voice technology is really changing the future and it's really changing how people are interacting with a lot of services. Because 2018 was a great year for the growth and sale of the devices, so now more people have access to voice speakers than ever before. The number is growing larger every single year and the rate of acceleration continues to grow as well. So the curve is growing steeper with the number of people who are adopting the technology worldwide. And the technology is continuing to grow to encompass a worldwide audience. And it's a lot less expensive than other technologies have been in the past. The biggest things that these new voice technologies rely on are an internet connection and access to consistent electricity. And if you have both of those, you can access the Amazon Alexa service or the Google Home service. and or I guess the Siri service if you like. I don't know, I would love to hear if anybody has really bought into the new voice first Apple home series, whether you bought into the HomePod or if you've bought into the voice first for any sort of Siri products. Or do you think that Amazon is playing a different game in the voice space than Google and Alexa? It just doesn't feel like they're doing an equivalent thing. I, I don't hear many developers talking about, oh yeah, I'm building, I'm building these apps for um, Siri. I'm not hearing anybody saying, oh yeah, everybody's buying the, this, the Apple HomePod. I, maybe I'm just hanging out with the wrong types of people and I'm reading the wrong articles, but, but I, I, don't, I haven't heard that conversation going on yet. So if 
what I want is if someone is experiencing that, please share that knowledge of like where I can find those people in that data so I can learn more. Because the biggest sources of information that I get about the voice space are reading articles that are released daily from like Forbes and Business Insider and VoiceBot. VoiceBot AI has been great because VoiceBot AI has a lot of statistics over time about the voice space and they've released some really cool articles like the second age of voice. The first stage of voice was buying the devices, getting the hardware and the platforms into people's homes and into their hands. So getting the massive adoption of Google Assistant, using that on people's mobile devices, on all Android phones, and then the sale of the actual hardware of Google Home minis, Google Homes, Google Home Hubs, putting it in as many things as possible, and the same with the Amazon Echo products having the dots and building and baking the Amazon Alexa assistant into the Amazon shopping app. So now if you tap the mic in any Amazon shopping app, which I'm sure everybody has the Amazon shop, a lot of people have the Amazon shopping app installed. You can use Alexa built in and then you can buy the devices incredibly cheap for $25 when it's on sale. You can buy these Echo Dots that are instant access to be able to talk and ask any question and to be able to control your smart home and to be able to play your music and more and more tasks on a daily basis to just connect you with the internet without having to use a screen. In a hands-free, faster, more empathetic way where voice is more empathetic over other technologies. How often do you read a text message and you see the text message and you wonder if someone is mad or if they're being sarcastic? What is their intention behind it? Emojis help to bridge that gap by adding some visual. With voice, you can convey volume, you can convey tone, you can convey speed. So you're able to, to bake into these machines a lot more empathy to be able to convey just a wider range of emotions that humans are able to understand. So there are a lot of benefits with voice, but there are also spaces where voice should not be used. Some of the spaces are like public spaces, there are also a lot of people that just prefer to use other devices. They just don't want to embrace the voice. They would rather use other forms of technology and those people should always be compensated for it. Like I'm, I'm really glad that we have the Google Home Hub have touchscreen capabilities and the Amazon Echo Show have touchscreen capabilities so that people can still use and touch the screens if they are not able to or they don't want to speak to these devices. In public, it's not a really good space just for, for one of the other reasons as well is privacy. Privacy in multiple ways. One, because of the sounds that are being recorded and some of the sounds that these devices are recording, people want to keep private. And putting these devices in public spaces makes a lot of conversations that would have otherwise been private much more public and it eliminates a lot of the sense of privacy. But the second side of the coin is lack of privacy in what is being said back. Because as our voice becomes our identity and we can access these voice platforms like Google Assistant using Voice Match, our voice becomes our identity. Rather than a username and a password, it is our voice. So when we ask um, Google these questions, the responses are gonna be highly personalized. And if she says, our medical prescriptions or some of our medical diagnoses because we accidentally say the wrong things around them and then our medical records are compromised to everybody in the room whether or not we wanted them to hear it 
it's it's like having a friend that's a blabbermouth and and she she's too she does exactly what she hears so she doesn't think about it like unlike the blabbermouth she doesn't think about it she just does exactly what she's told because she's a computer so having them in public spaces is probably not the best um, idea at least for the time being um, so those are some of the ways. I started reading this book from O'Reilly Publishing called Voice, what is it? The Voice User Design Interface. I really love it so far because it starts off talking about the history back in the 1950s when they were just trying to have single digit recognition. So a highly trained model would be able to understand when a voice said a number, a very single number. And that was way back in the 50s. And then the next step was to try to get it more conversational and just being able to hear more general phrases and not having to have a model that was highly trained and to be able to have just anybody in public be able to speak to it. That's a problem that is still being overcome today. We were talking about this over family dinner that accents are very hard for some of these assistants to pick up and understand. We've had a lot of people with very diverse backgrounds on our team and those people with different accents than the stereotypical white midwestern accent is very difficult to be understood if like asian accents or your a lot of asian or yeah a lot of asian accents are very difficult for google to understand right now and i wonder why that is um i guess it's just what they have more data on but I should look more into that. Why, why, are, why is the accent problem so difficult to overcome when it's something that we've been working on since the 1960s? Because we finally got it and towards the 2000s, it started to become mainstream to be able to have a, um, a phone call bank to be able to understand you say an option with your voice or to be able to say a pin number with your voice. So that became mainstream in the 2000s and now we're nearing 2020. We're, we're closing on the 2010s. It's now becoming very popular for these devices to just be everywhere. So it's taken a long time for it to get to the point where these, this technology is now in the majority of Americans' household. And one in five searches on Google is being done via voice. People are using voice as a way to access technology quicker, to be able to access the web quicker, to be able to stay engaged in their present environment without having to have the separation of a screen. To be able to look out and see what's in the world and see what's around you and see the people that are around you and have technology that assists you and assists the life around you, but does not distract from the life that you wanna live. So we're figuring out how to interact with the technology and it's a process that we're continuing to learn. And I got a lot of books for Christmas about voice technology so you can bet your sweet butt. I'm going to be talking about it with my team and on the podcast. So until then, keep it voice first and uh, thanks for joining us.